0: Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I thought I would take a deep dive into overtraining today. we get got a lot of questions coming in around overtraining, how I think about overtraining. Is it really a thing? Is it something you may be experiencing, not ultimately how to think about it and stop just throwing around sound bites that you think sound useful? There's so many people on the internet right now that say, hey, you know what? You're overtraining or you're training too much. And they talk about junk volume and uh, freak, too much frequency and, and progressive overload is king. And they throw on all these Sound bites ultimately mean absolutely nothing to them. They have no idea what they're talking about. They're just repeating what other people are saying. So let's dive a little bit deeper today into the concept of overtraining, ultimately, also the idea of overreaching what the difference is and how you can utilize the knowledge of this information to ultimately progress faster than you maybe have before. And I'll tell you, there, there's a lot of thought that goes into the concept of overtraining. And ultimately, a simple way to think about it that I'll offer you guys today is a systems approach. What is a system's approach? A system's approach inside the body is if we go system by system, so we look at the nervous system, maybe we look at the endocrine system, maybe we look at the muscular system, the cardiovascular system, or at the digestive system, all these different systems could potentially be stressed or taxed. And yet people are just throwing the word overtraining out, assuming you're doing too much volume means you're not actually training or adapting, which just makes absolutely no sense. So let's talk about a framing in how we're going to ultimately understand how to make a decision, right? So instead of mindlessly following someone's protocol to say, if you're doing more than two sets for this body part, you're doing too much. Well, that's complete nonsense. If you're doing more than five sets for this body part, you're doing too much. That's also complete nonsense. Because ultimately, there's a lot of factors that go into what actually determines if you're doing too much for your body. And most people only see one side of the coin, right? Most people see the training side of the coin. And while that is an important factor, of course, there has to be other sides of the coin, because if if training is only as useful as my ability to adapt, then we have to think of, okay, well, what is my ability to adapt, right? So what is my recoverability? What is my body's ability to recover from any type of stress? So if you think of exercise in terms of simply being a stress that you are intentionally subjecting your body to, then you have to look at, okay, well, what am I actually stressing? Because people think, well, exercise is just exercise stress. Well, no. If you look at it system by system, you can tax these systems differently, can't you? So I could, if something's very heavy, that may be a very different stimulus than something that is high volume, which is very, very different stimulus than something that is very dense in nature, meaning a lot of sets and reps with a lot of, not a lot of rest compared to something else that may be aerobically or anaerobically taxing. And all those have a different uh, system that's being taxed. And again, maybe all the systems are being taxed in some proportion, but as you could probably acknowledge, the proportion of each system being taxed will be different. So the nervous system may be, have huge amounts of tax, and then the muscular system may have big amounts of tax on a different day or, or little, you know, and, and you have to look through, okay, do I understand the signal that I'm subjecting my body to? And if I do, well, what uh, is that actually challenging inside my body? And here's the crazy thing. The same workout for me is not going to elicit the same stress to you, is it? Because where we are currently, our, our body's current ability to adapt system by system is different based on genetics and our history and also our physical capability, right? So if you, if you think about it, the same two or two people doing the same program are actually going to get a different type of response or a different system that's being taxed. So an example, if I've been training in, in a strength-based way for the last 10 years, and you've been training in a, an aerobic-based way, let's say you've been doing marathons, we could obviously do the same workout and have a completely different experience as far as the internal amount of stress. So for someone to senselessly say that X number of sets, let's say five sets per body part, or 20 sets per body part is overtraining, it, it's absolutely just ignorant. It doesn't make any sense. And so why don't we then take take the view of, well, what am I capable of recovering from? And so we, we don't know that, right? When I start working with a client, I have no idea what they're physically capable of recovering from, literally zero, except based on their feedback to me, both feedback from a perspective of their subjective feeling, I feel good, I'm tired, I, I'm sore, and ultimately their objective stuff. So maybe we're looking at HRV, maybe we're looking at their, um, their recovery, their, their sleep, their capacity to feel great. So there's there's many levels of uh, analysis that have to go into understanding whether or not I'm overtraining or overreaching. And so if we look literally system by system from, from the muscular system to the nervous system to the gard- cardiovascular system to the endocrine system to the digestive system, well, which system is being overtaxed or overtrained? Because if I did the same hypertrophy-based workout, so like a muscle-building workout, which, you know, for all intents and purposes is, is in and of itself a very, very... Um, subjective. It's very different. I could do so many, so many different things that elicit a hypertrophy response. But if I do the same hypertrophy workout for say six to 12 weeks, and, and, and this meaning the eliciting around the same type of stimuli, right? So say I'm doing six to eight reps and I'm doing four sets subjectively, right? All the same rest periods and the same workout over and over again. The chances of me overtraining from that workout are actually quite low because I'll probably stop losing response first. And then I'll, like, me and my body won't adapt anymore. I'm not making any progress. So most people will change before they ever get a chance to overtrain from that type of stimulus. Now, I'm not saying that overtraining doesn't exist, because it absolutely does. I've experienced it in my life, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But most people are nowhere near it. And, and the challenge is, most people are not experiencing overtraining due to too much training. They're, they're likely, in my experience experience overtraining due to poor recovery or poor selection of the type of training they're doing. So if you're someone who's who's been training for, I don't know, two or three days a week for the last year, and all of a sudden you're like, I want to put on a bunch of muscle, lose a bunch of fat. So you go from two days a week to six, you're definitely going to be, and maybe not even overtraining, but maybe just overreaching temporarily, right? And the difference there is obviously a nuanced thing. Overreaching is the idea of intentionally uh, subjecting your body to more stress than you want to be subjecting your body to, right? Or then, sorry, than your body's maybe used to. So that, like again, example of that would be like maybe I train, I don't know, six days a week for two or three weeks, knowing that I'm not going to recover from that. I'm, I think the analogy I use is often digging a hole, right? I want to, I want to, when I'm training, I literally want to dig a proverbial hole. Like I want to, I want to dig some stress, and then as soon as I'm done, I recover and right? I fill it back in. And how do I fill it back in? Well, recovery modalities. We can talk about those. But really, the, str- the, the training is eliciting an intentional stress to some system in the body, right? If the goal is building muscle, then it's likely to the muscular system. It's also, I hope, to the nervous system to allow the nervous system to, to, to get stronger. Then it's also to the, the metabolic systems, which is ultimately want to make the, the body more capable of producing more energy per unit time, right? So what does that mean? I want to be able to produce energy faster every, every second or every minute. And those are all different types of stimuli that I could subject my body to intentionally or otherwise during training, right? So some, most people are not subjecting their body body to anything intentionally. They're just like kind of arbitrarily going in there and going, well, let's see what happens. I hope I progress. I'm doing too much or I'm doing too little. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Of course, you're not sure what you're doing because you're you're guessing, right? You have no idea if your set is 40 seconds or 60 seconds or, or 120 seconds. You have no idea if you're resting for one minute or two minutes or five minutes. You likely have no idea the percentage of volume or the percentage of intensity you're using. Am I using 90% intensity or 70% intensity or 60% intensity? And then how much total volume am I doing? There's a lot that goes into understanding a truly well-developed program. And so this is why most people ultimately are failing in exercise, not because they're not capable of transforming, because they simply have no idea what the heck they're doing to their body in the gym. They're going to the gym and they have this mindset. If I simply work hard, I'm going to make progress. Or maybe it's if I simply do things well, I'm going to make progress, both of which are not true, right? You'll make progress to a point and then you're going to have to make a change. And some people make progress great linearly because they have great genetics, but most people like on the order of, let's just say most, I don't want to throw a number out there, but a lot uh, don't make any progress. So they'll make a little bit of progress. Then they'll get frustrated due to lack of progress. So they'll feel like, I mean if this sounds like something you've experienced before, they'll feel like they're they're training hard and not getting the results for the amount of work they're putting in. Or maybe they're training hard and it was working for a little bit, all of a sudden my body just looks like it's getting inflamed, I'm getting fatter, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm not really sure why. Right, because if you're constantly stressing the same system in the same way, the body goes, you're not giving me enough time to adapt, or the body goes, you're not giving me enough stimuli to need to adapt, therefore I'm just going to stay the same. So there has to be this intentional Progression of the systems and, and also in, in maybe like a, an undulating way. So progressing one system, pulling back, progressing one system, pulling back, right? So it's never just in what, and I should say also then when you're pulling back on one system, let's say I'm pulling back on my hypertrophy training, I can also push a different system, right? Why can't I do a metabolic based workout if it has a a significantly less hypertrophy based workout, right? If I'm, if I'm, uh, so hypertrophy based is like, I'm trying to challenge the muscular system, right? Which is ultimately some integration of the neuromuscular system, the nervous system and, and the muscles actually like contractile ability. And then the other end of it is, well, I could do a a metabolic-based signal, which is, which is low on the nervous system stimuli and low on the muscular-based stimuli, but highly demanding to my energy systems, maybe highly demanding to my aerobic system or anaerobic or cardiovascular systems, right? You could train really hard every day of your life, I think. Maybe with, maybe with a few days off in between, but for the most part, train really hard, subjectively, quote unquote, hard for the rest of your life, but always training a different system, right? So if one day I do a strength based system, which is super low rep, maybe low volume, high load. The next day I do a hypertrophy based signal, which is maybe higher volume, mid to high volume. And then another day I do a really metabolic based signal which is really, really aerobic or anaerobic in nature and cardiovascularly challenging, well, then maybe I could I could repeat day one on, on the next day because it's a different type of signal. Now, it completely depends on your ability to recover from those signals, which I'll talk about, but there's no such thing as saying, oh, I'm overtraining because I'm training seven days a week. I think you could absolutely figure out a way to do that if you really wanted to be super intentional with your recoverability modalities, which we'll talk about. So hopefully that starts to, to make sense. And you start to understand that training and recovery have to go together. So when we speak of training in general, overtraining as a concept, most people are simply under-recovering and they have no idea why. They're subjecting a specific system in their body to a lot of stress, maybe more than it's handled in the past. And they don't ultimately know, well, what is my body capable of recovering from and how can I support that with recovery modalities? call it saunas and ice tubs and time in nature and breath work and meditation and sleep, uh, nutrition, supplementation, all these things are are potentially helpful to specific systems in the body. So we can all acknowledge that the nervous system may require different nutritional protocols than the muscular system, although they are obviously very much tied together. They could require a different maybe ratio of recovery nutrients or recovery modalities. Uh, whereas, you know, maybe the, the metabolic system, if I'm training my, my energy producing capabilities, maybe that's a completely different uh, support that my body requires when I'm subjecting it to more of that, right? So if I run a marathon, I may not have the same recovery capabilities, and that's just an extreme example, as when I'm squatting 600 pounds, right? Those may be different, placing different demands on your body, both of which are taxing a system tremendously, but they're very different and therefore they need a different recovery response or a very different recovery thought process. So one of the things that you may want to start exploring in yourself and this, this for many people, but probably not listening to this podcast, but for many people is a very far-fetched idea. Start listening to your body, the way you learn to understand what your body needs. And this, again, this is so subjective, right? But learn to listen and feel. And once you've been doing it long enough, And that's also subjective because some people get it quickly and some people take forever based on their ability to connect with their body. You can often tell what your body needs. Sometimes you don't want to give it to it because I need more sleep, but I got stuff to do. Or I want more food, but following a diet. You know, but you can listen to what your body needs. Ultimately, if you start to listen carefully, we'll say, rather than um, mindlessly start to actually pay attention to the signals your body's giving you, you could probably know really well what your body wants or needs. And, and ultimately you may not know all the different recovery modalities that exist. So there's a limitation there, but certainly you could start to have an understanding of, you know, like, and I do this all the time. You know, I feel like I need some extra carbohydrates today. I trained really hard in the gym. I crushed it. I need some extra carbohydrates or, you know what? I'm really sore today. Maybe I need some extra protein or, you know what? I just feel like a little, little tired, a little lethargic, a little brain fog. I'm going to allow myself to have a nap. Right? Like, oh, and again again the the high achiever mindset of like I can't do that stuff. I just can't do that, man. I got to follow my diet. My coach said follow the diet. I get a little bit this time I got shit to do during the day. I can't do it. Yeah, but then you need to acknowledge that just that's just your inability to actually do what your body wants or needs, right? Or your lack of desire to do what your body wants or needs. So, hopefully this starts to make sense. Like first, step 1, takeaway from today you got to understand what you're doing in the gym, because just because I'm doing 10 sets or 20 sets or 30 sets of anything, and maybe I'm doing three body parts or one body part, am I actually eliciting a muscular-based progressive stimuli, right? So how many reps am I doing? How many sets am I doing? What percentage of load am I using? Because that, th- those three things, if you guys are taking notes on this, are going to significantly impact my time to recovery and the modality that will be most useful for me to to recover. Meaning, do I need more calories? To be honest, most people in powerlifting don't need more calories, right? Because it's so calorically uh limiting. It's it's very limited with the amount of caloric expenditure it, it, it uh, demands, right? If you're doing sets of one like or three, the amount of caloric demand is, is very low, but the demand on the nervous system is enormous. So then maybe we have to do some, some recovery modalities that are impacting the nervous system, right? More effectively. Maybe it's contrast, uh, baths or maybe it's cold therapy or maybe it's saunas or maybe it's meditation. Maybe it's breath work, things that directly stimulate or even time in nature directly stimulate the nervous system. Whereas if I'm doing something that's a, that's a hypertrophy or sorry a metabolic based stimulus, I probably don't need a huge amount of recovery in the nervous system. Maybe some if I'm going to deep levels of fatigue, but if I'm just doing a typical, you know, metabolic based high intensity workout or, or a couple hours of, of zone two cardio, my my recovery requirement seemingly to the nervous system is not enormous, but it may be significant to inflammation and oxidative stress and, you know, I don't know, the, the liver and energy production. So maybe I need to eat more calories that day too, but, or more on that day than I even would on a strength-based or hypertrophy-based program, right? And I think most people don't understand that. I think... Uh, throwing words around like overtraining is just, is just ignorant. I mean, in general. And when people say, oh, two sets is enough. Well, who's doing the two sets? Because could you acknowledge that your ability to do two sets of anything may be different than my ability to do two sets or something? And if you think of like each subsequent rep being an opportunity to subject the muscle to tension, damage, and stress over a specific amount of time, meaning if I do one rep, Most people, or not, this is a generalization, but let's say many people aren't actually using the muscle they're trying to train through 100% of the rep. They may be using it through some lesser percentage—30, 40, 50, 60%. But they're certainly not doing it 100% of the time. And 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 also acknowledging that every type of exercise, every type of resistance, actually subjects the body to a different percentage of load at different times. Meaning this thing called uh, resistance profile which basically means uh, a weight is not the same amount of force against my body at any point in the range. It's constantly changing. So even though I have a 30-pound uh, dumbbell on my hand or a 100-pound dumbbell in my hand, it doesn't always exert 100 pounds of force to the muscle I'm training based on distance and speed, ultimately, right? So we got to think about those things like time matters. Um, and so most people in, in general should start there and say like, okay, Well, am I actually making the most of every rep that I'm doing? Because I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty, the answer is absolutely not. Why? Because it's really, really hard to do things well, right? And this is why most people who, again, hate generalizations, but many people um, don't want to train with intelligence, right? They want to train mindlessly because it's too hard for them to slow down. They don't have the fortitude to slow down and control the weight and actually allow the muscles to be challenged. Mentally, they don't have the fortitude. They don't have the focus. It's really, really hard to stay uh, intentional, to stay present in discomfort as you intentionally move closer and closer into discomfort. Think about that. If I'm doing a set and my, my body is moving closer and closer to this proverbial fire, but uh, I, my, my mind's like, hell no, right? I have, to go, I have to get out of here. And so most people, as soon as they start to feel discomfort, will start to cheat. They'll start to look for ways out. And that's not going to help. That's not going to help you get better, right? When you're training, you should be moving into the discomfort. You should be welcoming the challenge and saying, this is what I want. And then learning ultimately to keep your mind calm through the breath, right? Through single point of focus, a meditative focus, we want to move into that discomfort. So first, if we're going to talk about overtraining, overreaching, why don't we first talk, start talking about the quality of the rep first and say, okay, well, how many reps do I actually need? i like, I have no idea. Like what? what is your percent efficacy? Are you actually doing shit well, or do they all suck? That's, that's the truth, right? If they all suck, you're wasting your time. Stop worrying about how many sets and reps you're doing and start worrying about doing one single rep well, maybe one single exercise well. And so anyone that comes into my coaching program, this is what we start with, right? We start with a program we call the Big Eight. And not because it's a miraculous program, but because it's the eight simple patterns that I want everyone to learn how to do really, really well. So. Do these things and then do them often. And then we'll give you a, uh, an auxiliary program that'll help you be more effective at these exercises. So some mobility stuff, maybe some breathwork protocols, maybe some aerobic stuff to help you gain range of motion and gain um, uh, energy production capability, build that in. But I want you to get good at these eight first. And until you do, we're not going to start stacking 30 different exercises on your plate because you're not going to be able to do any of them. So that's the thing is we want to get good at basics first and then start building that circle of comfort concentrically out, right? So think through that, ladies and gents, before you start focusing on programming, before you start focusing on the next miraculous program you need to put on all this muscle, well, how about you start focusing on just doing one rep well, right? Try and, and how do I define well? Well, should, shouldn't, if our objective is building muscle, shouldn't it be that the muscle should work maximally? maybe maximally at every segmental inch, or I sometimes I even say every segmental centimeter or millimeter. Why? Because the actual range that the muscle shortens and lengthens is incredibly small. Even though on the outside of the body, you see that, hey, that this, this this weight that's in my hand or wherever is moving a, a long distance, the actual muscle itself, pay attention, how far does it move? If you watch your pec contract from its fully lengthened to its fully shortened position, it's probably two to three inches in range, total, the actual pec contraction, right? Which which compared to other things, actually a lot, right? Lengthening two and shortening two to three inches a lot. Look at your lat and watch what... New, I said this in a recent video on YouTube. If you guys haven't seen my YouTube videos, i got a lot of good ones coming out. But just watch one single point. All I want you to watch is the insertion of the muscle. First, find out what the insertion of the muscle is. It's always the muscle that's further away from... Or the end, that's further away from the midline. And just follow it. And so how far does this thing actually travel? And, if, and, and can I get it to travel more without changing my form? And can I get the resistance to actually be in the right plane? So the resistance is in a direct plane of movement with this insertion point. So if you think of like two ends of an elastic band, well, one end of the elastic band is stable. That's at the, the midline of the body, typically the origin. And the insertion simply moves further away. And then you contract intentionally with your brain, top-down motor control. And you say, I want to pull this closer right? All contraction is pulling all of it. None of it is pushing. It's all pulling everything. You're just simply pulling one end closer to the other. So when people talk about push this or drug, like, just think about pull, pull this. I mean, that's, that's not true because sometimes I do use the cue, the cue to push, but in ultimately just pulling. It's just every, every muscle is shortening. So we want to think through that, right? Uh, we want to con- contract those muscles first effectively. And once you guys start doing that, worrying so much less about your programming, your progress will be better. I guarantee it because you'll, you'll notice you can actually get way more results out of way less work. Right. And so people often ask me, Ben, should I do high volume or low volume? What's the answer? I have no idea. (laughs) No idea. How capable are you of doing one rep? Well, if you're extremely capable of doing one rep really well, one set, really well, one exercise really well, then wouldn't it make sense that you actually need less? Total volume, if you're doing it really well. And how about if you're really bad at it? Like, you're like, I don't feel this. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of uncoordinated. I don't know if I'm doing it correctly. The resistance profile also sucks. Well, maybe I need way more volume to elicit any type of response. Right. And this may seem backwards to people, but most people that come into my world, they'll have them train three to four times a week on the same body part because they're so poor at contracting. It. And I was like, you got to learn how to do this thing first. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. So, Hopefully that provides a little bit of value to you guys. High volume or low volume? The answer is depends how well you do it. And here's a crazy thing. Every body part should be different. If you're really good at contracting your quads, but you're terrible at contracting your lats, guess what? Do your lats more often and do your, your quads less often. Because if you're great at contracting your quads, chances are they need longer to recover. You're going to need more time between workouts to recover from that hard, intense contraction. Whereas if you're, if you're in these little bunny first soft contractions to your lat, you're not doing anything inside the light. You're not listening a hormonal response, a, a, a cell stress response, a metabolic response, sure any of these responses just simply aren't happening. So then why don't we just focus on getting better at that to do it more often? Right. If you're learning a new skill, a new language or a new uh, musical instrument, how often do you do it once a week? No, do it every day. Why not? Don't have to do to huge volume every day, but do it every day. Practice, learn a skill, right? Like playing the piano. When you're thinking about overreaching, realize that we want to be able to, our objective is to be able to subject our body to as much stress as we possibly can and recover from it in a reasonable amount of time. So I often say like, if, you're, if, you're, if your training is eliciting more of a, of a muscular soreness than a three out of 10, it's too much. Three to four out of 10 is about where I try to land with people. And then do it more often. The, 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 repeated bout effect is a good concept, is an important concept. I want to do things more often. We'll seem to get better results than doing it less often. So if you're going to do 20 sets in a week, space them over three workouts instead of one seems to get better response. And we don't want to get huge amounts of soreness because that just drives inflammation way too high and the body won't recover. Again, that being said, that, that is a temporary overtraining, but it's not certainly, it's called an overreaching. It's not a, a long-term overreaching, overtraining, which is a, Long-term overtraining is a, lo- is a long-term thing. As I said, I di- have overtrained once in my life. I was great married for the 2012 Mr. Olympia. I just was crazy. <laughs> I just did way too much. And it took me probably three months to recover from it. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of this like, lull of this funk. I just couldn't get, get myself back. I mean, there's a lot of factors there, right? There's the digestive tract, there's stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, there's testosterone, there's estrogen, there's thyroid hormones, so many factors. Hormones are ultimately driving the way you look and the way you feel. And so we'd ultimately train to elicit these hormonal changes in the body. But I gave myself a time later on this podcast and I'm way over the time limit. If this is, is, if this is interesting to you, ladies and gents, go ahead and leave us a comment on YouTube. You can leave us a comment on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and head over to Instagram and follow us there because ultimately you can leave us direct messages. And, and if this was interesting to you, if you have more questions you want to have answered with respect to overtraining, overreaching or anything along the lines that we spoke of today, or ultimately anything that will help you build your goodest body and live your greatest life, please reach out. Now we'd love to have you follow us on Instagram. We'd love to have you follow us on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe. We are putting in a uh, diligent effort now to grow our YouTube. We're going to be bringing you no cost to you information uh, multiple times a week now, including the podcast and new videos coming up from yours truly and my team. Guys, thank you very much for being here. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Organify, a longtime sponsor of the podcast because it works. We use it. Organifi Green is particularly useful for someone who isn't getting all their vegetables. Not only does it taste amazing, but you're getting organic, really, really high quality superfoods to ensure your body is getting the nutrients it needs to help your body get the minerals and ultimately feel great. If you want to be energized, if you want a a treat that truly tastes amazing, head over to Organifi.com slash muscle and get hooked up with 20% off for a limited time only, um, they also have a great red product, which is ultimately beets and berries that ultimately can help cardiovascular function and erectile function. Guys, head over to slash muscle and get hooked up with twenty percent off. Today's podcast is also brought to you by our friends at muscle muscleintelligence to pick up the highest quality magnesium that exists anywhere. There's seven different types of magnesium in this one bottle. Why do you want seven different types of magnesium? Ultimately, each one has an influence on a different aspect of the system. So, certain ones work on the nervous system. Certain ones work for the muscles. Certain work in the digestive tract, and every other system. They also have different rates of absorption. So, your body doesn't get um, bombarded with too much magnesium at once. It actually has almost like a slow dripping effect, which is very, very useful. BioOptimizers also has an incredible array of really, really high quality products that you guys have heard me talk about before from Masszymes. To their patented P3OM probiotic, high, uh, hydrochloric acid, k so many amazing products that you guys can benefit from. Literally the entire line of their incredible products over at BuyOptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S. And you can use the code Muscle10 to get hooked up on your next order, ladies and gents. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you as always. you're not already subscribed to Muscle Intelligence Podcast, do so now and share this podcast with at least one person that you know and love who wants to live their greatest life in a body that they love, with the people they love, doing the stuff that they love. (laughs) Have a great day, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. interest and in products or services referred to here in. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.